It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is happening? What's going on? Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for listening. I do appreciate it. Uh, the show is made possible by patrons, so I want to give them a shout out because they literally allow me to do this for a living. Meredith and Dennis and Rebecca and Taylor, Keith, Yuri, LL, David, Patty, Trudy and Ron, Gene and Ben. Thank you very much for all of the support over the last year. That's right. We made it one year. <laughs> Uh, in another four, we will have matched, I think, Air America, I believe. That's, if I can make it another four. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I actually have. I know I beat up on the media in general, and I beat up on a lot of the uh, the North Carolina reporting crew. Uh, I have some praise for them today, um, which I feel like I, I need to make a point of doing that more often. I, I do. I recognize that. I apologize that I don't. I focus a lot on the failures <laughs> and I don't, I don't give enough praise. So I will say just right out of the gate, I do appreciate that a lot of the media covering North Carolina politics, they don't rely on, I don't see a lot of it. They don't rely on anonymous sourcing. Really, like I, I rarely ever see uh, a story that gets published that doesn't have, you know, uh, uh, sources who are named. And so you can trace information back to a particular uh, source. And so and, and and that's good journalism. That's a good practice. It's best practices. Um, and unfortunately, there are a lot of media operations, uh, particularly at the national level, that do not deal like that. Yes, they I'm sure they prefer named sources, but too often a lot of them run with stories that are based on anonymous sources. And they may know that person who's giving them the information. That's fine. They may trust that person and that's fine, but I don't <laughs> because I don't trust the reporter. And I think it's a lot to ask me to trust a reporter that relies heavily on anonymous sourcing. So I do appreciate I want to give credit where it is due that a lot of the North Carolina media, and I'm, I'm racking my brain here trying to think of the last time I've seen an anonymous sourced story, and I really can't. So thank you for that. It does actually build credibility when you don't rely on um, anonymous sources. Um, also, what builds credibility turning out a quality product consistently, like for example, Grower's Hemp, quality product. And they know, I know it's quality. I take the product. I use their full spectrum hemp extract every night before I go to bed. I take a couple of drops and I sleep more deeply, you know, than I ever have before. And it's part of my daily routine. And um, not only that, these are North Carolina farmers. And they said, you know what? We're growing this hemp and these other companies are coming in from out of state and they're making all these promises and they're not delivering. And they said, why don't we do this better? We'll do it the right way. So they essentially set up a co-op model. And uh, these are North Carolina farmers that now control the whole process from seed all the way to shelf. Right. And uh, so, you know, that when you're buying the product, they're helping you on your wellness journey and you're helping them keep their family farm. And you're getting great quality and a lower price. At Growers Hemp, go to their website, growershemp.com. Use the promo code PETE, and you'll get 20% off. As always, I got to give you the disclaimer. 
GovCo requires this, people. I can't help it. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and the efficacy of these products has not been confirmed by FDA-approved research. These products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and nothing I have said is meant as a substitute for or alternative to information from your healthcare provider. Please consult your healthcare professional about potential interactions or other possible complications before using any product. Uh, you can find Growers Hemp on the shelves at the Broad River Hemp Company in Shelby, the Medical Pharmacy in Locust, the Durham Co-op as well, and of course at uh, growershemp.com, promo code PETE for 20% off. From North Carolina farmers to your home and to you, Growers Hemp is about the hemp and not the hype. So why do I start off the show today with some praise for uh, media not using uh, anonymous sources? I almost said reliable sources. (laughs) Oh, that's the show hosted by uh, Brian Stelter at CNN. (laughs) If ever there is a show that is misnamed. (laughs) Anyway, um, the reason I bring this up is because a bit of a story happened. um, (laughs) and (laughs) And it centers around the use of anonymous sources. Now, maybe you're old enough to remember this story. You got to go way, way back. You remember there was... Uh, there was a phone call that was made by President Donald Trump to a top Georgia investigator. Not the one that was recorded. And I, I've got that audio, too. It's like a half or a, it's a full hour audio where he talked to the secretary of state, Raffensperger or whatever his name is, Raffensperger. And, and then they leaked that audio. Right. I'm not talking about that one. This is another phone call that was made that nobody knew the audio existed until now, okay? The original media accounts of the phone call between Trump and this uh, chief investigator for the Georgia Secretary of State's office, her name is Frances Watson, right? It prompted all of these stories about how Trump was pressuring the investigator to find fraud. You remember this? That was the quote. To find fraud and find the fraud, he said, and that if she did, she would be, quote, a national hero. This was the initial reporting from all of the mainstream outlets. And not true. <laughs> it wasn't true. It didn't happen. I actually have, I have the audio because the Wall Street Journal got the audio because apparently they thought that she or she thought that she had... Um, Uh, deleted the audio, but apparently had not. She recorded the phone conversation, which I guess if you ever take a phone call from the president, you should just, you should record it (laughs) just in case. Uh, You never know. Um, So the president, President Biden defeated Trump in Georgia by fewer than 12,000 votes. And this became right the focus of a lot of the scrutiny and the investigation and what happened in Georgia and the votes at the uh, in, down in Fulton County in Atlanta, with, you know, the with the, um, the at the vote counting place where the was it the arena or the stadium or whatever. And I'm drawn I'm trying to remember all the details and I I'm blanking on some of the details, but they're not really important. The important thing here, this is a, an examination of the way the media covers a story when it relies on anonymous sources. So. Biden became the first Democrat to win Georgia since Bill Clinton in 1992, okay? The audio shows that early reports from uh, January about this call that was based on anonymous sourcing, 
it misquoted Trump, which is it actually a quote? Right. If you're just making up, (laughs) if you're just making up what he said, is that actually a quote? In those reports, Trump was quoted as urging Watson to, quote, find the fraud. And if she did so, the investigator would be a national hero. So here is now the audio. Hello, Francis. How are you? (laughs) Hello, Mr. President. I am actually doing very well. Good. Well, you have a big fan in our our great chief, right? Chief of staff, Mark. I did. I I met him. I, um, I, it was a pleasure to meet him yesterday. Nah, he's great. He's a great, he was a bit successful. He was a great congressman. And then when you lead by 35 points, it's hard to get people out of there. But I tried very hard for two years and we got him. He's, and he's done a, he's done a fantastic job. I just wanted to. So he's talking about Mark Meadows there, obviously. And, you know, look, this country is counting on it because it's very interesting. So I won Florida in a record number, Ohio in a record, Texas in a record, Alabama by 40, 40 points. And I won everything but Georgia. And, I, you know, and I won Georgia, I know that, by a lot. And the people know it. And, uh, you know, something happened there. I mean, something bad happened. And I hope you join that uh, that stop because if you... Uh, you know, I hope you're going back two years as opposed to just checking, you know, one against the other because that would just be sort of a a, uh, a signature check that didn't mean anything. But if you go back two years and if you can get to Fulton, you're going to find things that are going to be unbelievable, the, the dishonesty that, that we've heard from them. Right. You know, just good sources, really right. good sources. But Fulton, Fulton is the mother load, you know, as the expression goes, Fulton County. Right. And, uh, well, Mr. President, right? I appreciate your comments, and and I, I I can assure you that our team and the GBI that we're only interested right. in, in in the truth and and finding you that's know great. finding the information that's based on the facts, and you know right. we we have been working um, 12, 16 hour days, and great. you know we're, we're working through it, and um, so I can assure you that, and. Um, I, I do appreciate you, Colin. I know that you're a very, very busy, very important uh, man, and and I'm very honored that that you called. And you know, and quite quite um, quite frankly, I, I, I'm shocked and that, that you you would take time to, to do that. But yeah. I am very appreciative. Now Mark asked me to do it. He, he thinks you're great, and you know, it's just you have the most important job in the country right now because if we win Georgia, first of all, if we win, you're gonna have two wins. So you're not, they're not going to win right now. You know, they're down. Because the people of Georgia are so angry at what happened to me. They know I won. Won by hundreds of thousands of votes. It wasn't close. And Alabama, you know, where they go, because I won uh, South Carolina in a record, Alabama in a record, Florida in a record. You know, I won Florida by six or 700,000 votes. It's never happened before with a Republican. And uh, with all the money they spent, you know, you heard all about these guys going down spending a fortune. And we won Texas by a record. Texas was run, won by the biggest uh, biggest number ever. And it, you know, it didn't, uh, it didn't and, and Ohio, of course, you know that, you know about that, that was won by nine points or something, and it's uh, all of it, Iowa, <laughs> I mean, and it didn't, it never made sense. And, you know, they dropped ballots, they dropped all these ballots. Stacey Abrams, really, really terrible. I mean, just a terrible thing. And I will say this, 
if and when, hope, I mean, hopefully this will show, because if you go back two years or four years, you're going to see it's a totally different signature. But but hopefully, uh, you know, I will, when, when the right answer comes out, you'll be praised. I mean, I don't know why, you know, they, they made it so hard. They, they will be praised. People will say, great, because that's what it's about, that ability to check and to, and to make it right, because everyone knows it's wrong. There's just no way. You know, they had people in Georgia, for instance, that won, and I was way ahead of them, and they won because of me. You know, I pulled them, they call it coattails, right? And we pulled them across, and they say, there's no way that I beat you by 15 points. You know, I've had that in, uh, we've had plenty of those calls, too. So, anyway, but whatever you can do, Francis, it would be, uh, it's a great thing. It's an important thing for the country. So important. You have no idea so important. Well, Mr. And I very much appreciate it. Well, I, I appreciate your call, and I, I hope you and your family have a very healthy and, and happy Christmas. And um, and I, I certainly uh, appreciate you and, and everything that you've done. Well, and I appreciate it too, Francis. Do you think they'll be working after Christmas to keep it going fast? Because, you know, we have that date of the which is a very important date. Right, and, right. Uh, I, I, I know, I know you've got that coming up, and, and I, I can assure you that, that you know, I, I'm, I'm going to be working, uh, and, and we're going to be working, and it's... Um, Good. I, um, yeah, I, I appreciate it, and, you know, our, our team's out there working, you know, we, we got pandemic. Well, you thank them. Yeah, we've got and pandemic. And I hear the, uh, I hear the Georgia... It's not the FBI, what was it, the GBI, right? Right. Okay, but I hear, uh, I hear they're fantastic. And I hear I'm about 96% with them, so that's good, okay? <laughs> but uh, say hello to those guys. Tell I, them I appreciate it very much. Let them all know. I will certainly and do that. You just take care. Call anytime you need. If you need help, call me. But but uh, Mark has put the number. But uh, Mark appreciates it, but I wanted to call you. Thank you. But th- th- thank you so much, and you have a good evening. No, it's just you never know how to end the conversations, you know. So, okay, what what do we make of this? Now you've heard the entire conversation, and I'm not interested in kind of hashing out all of the Trump word salad and all that stuff. I mean, it's Trump being Trump. Yes, this is the lead investigator down there, and he's trying to like impress upon her, like, hey, you need to go back and make sure you check all of the signatures from like four years ago. You can't just do it from like ballot to. Uh, to when they were signing in to like the most recent one or something, whatever, like it doesn't matter at this point. Did he say the things that he was quoted as saying by the anonymous source? And no, he did not. Yet those were the headlines that were run. Why is that important? We're going to get into this in a minute. First, you need to get into Old Grouch's Military Surplus. It's uh, in downtown Clyde. It's on Main Street. Great shop. It's an old school, real U.S. military surplus store. Okay. And uh, Tim's dad ran the stores. Uh, He's the original Old Grouch, the OG, OG, if you will, the OG squared. And uh, when... When Tim's dad passed away, Tim took over the business, and uh, so he's always getting new stuff in. He's got tons of, you know, uh, antique kind of stuff from uh, previous wars. The maps, if you're looking for, like, old 
uh, field maps and stuff. He's got so many of these things. Uh, they really are cool. Like a great decoration idea, just like uh, ammo cans. Great for storage, but also uh, decor as well. But also, you know, practical things, first aid kits. You know, with the uh, the warm weather here, you got to outfit yourself for your hiking, your camping, your fishing trips, whatever... Uh, your adventure requires head on over to Old Grouch's Military Surplus and he will help outfit you for uh, for that adventure. Old Grouch's Military Surplus shop is open Monday through Saturday across the street from the anti-aircraft gun and at oldgrouch.com. And of course, as always, tell him that I sent you. So the um, the the way this story got covered is important because uh, it shows the way media gets manipulated and that's giving them the benefit of the doubt or they are helping in the manipulation which is obviously a more nefarious course of action here right so uh the washington post they put out a huge story about this and they were talking about you know because they were the original ones to get this source that said you know donald trump was saying things like you need to find the fraud and if she did she'd be a national hero well, the Washington Post has now put a very long correction on its original story. It says, quote, two months after publication of this story, the Georgia Secretary of State released an audio recording of President Donald Trump's December phone call with the state's top election investigator. The recording revealed that the Post misquoted Trump's comments on the call based on information provided by a source. Trump did not tell the investigator to find the fraud or say that she would be a national hero if she did so. Instead, Trump urged the investigator to scrutinize ballots in Fulton County, Georgia, asserting she would find dishonesty there. He also told her that she had the most important job in the country right now. A story about the recording can be found here. The headline and text of this story have been corrected to remove quotes misattributed to Trump. So CNN also had to issue a uh, a correction, although their note is much shorter than the uh, the one from the Washington Post. It says an earlier version of this story presented paraphrasing of the president's comments to the Georgia elections investigator as direct quotes. The story has been updated following the discovery of an audio recording of the call. So they presented paraphrasing as direct quotes. So they're standing by their depiction of what President Trump said. In reporting on the recently released audio of the call, the Washington Post reveals that the false quotes were based on an account by Jordan Fuchs, the deputy secretary of state. Washington Post said that Fuchs was briefed on Trump's comments by Watson. So this person, Fuchs works for Watson. Watson told Fuchs what happened, and then Fuchs told the Washington Post. So that's, right, that, that's what apparently happened. That's what the Washington Post is reporting. The Fulton County District Attorney is conducting a criminal probe into Trump's efforts to overturn the results of the election. The Georgia Secretary of State's office is also conducting an investigation, which was initiated in the face of growing pressure over multiple calls that Trump made to state officials about tracking down potential voter fraud that could flip this, uh, the results. 
And remember, he told the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, that, quote, all I want to do is this. I just want to find 11,780 votes. Right. That's what he needed, which, yes, that's exactly right. He was look. That's what they're looking to find enough votes. So he wins the election. Right. That That's that. Well, that's what our Chief Justice Sherry Beasley, when she was suing to get various ballots counted and, you know, brought back in and all this other stuff, like she was trying to find votes so she would win. That was what they were doing. That's what politicians do when they seek recounts, right? They're suggesting that there are more votes out there for them that have not been properly counted. I don't find this to be particularly scandalous. Anyway, um, because of these investigations, the, uh, the prosecutors told everybody involved, preserve your relevant documents. And both the CNN and the Washington Post had previously said that state officials had told them that they did not believe a recording of this phone call even existed. But in recent days, both now have new reports that say officials found the recording in Watson's trash folder on her device while responding to a public records request. So Watson recorded it, or at least I should say it was recorded on Watson's phone. And then Fuchs told the media. But he says he was briefed by her. I don't know for sure. Did she brief him and then play him the audio and then he relayed that to the Washington Post? Is that how that happened? Did she like did she know he would do that? Don't know. By the way, this is from the uh, story by Daniel Chayton at the Washington Examiner, whose colleague Beckett Adams points out that the real scandal here isn't even really the fact that the this you know anonymous source misquoted Trump or paraphrased it, and then the Washington Post basically got burned by using an anonymous source. That's not even really the scandal here. And I'm just I gave you all of that stuff. I'm not going into any more like the like who to believe and what's the truth and all that. The point here, because I agree with Beckett Adams on this, the point here is that the media then corroborated this false story. How does that happen? You had various media outlets. He runs through them. You had USA Today, NBC News, ABC News, uh, PBS NewsHour, CNN. They all claimed to have independently confirmed the reporting by the Washington Post. So the Washington Post gets the scoop, allegedly from Jordan Fuchs, works for Francis Watson. And then within, you know, minutes, hours, whatever, you have all of these other news outlets that are able to corroborate, to confirm with their own anonymous sources or source that this did occur. So how does that happen? Here's what Beckett Adams says. It's one thing if a single news outlet publishes a fraudulent, anonymously uh, sourced scoop, right? It's another thing entirely if multiple newsrooms claim that they independently confirmed the fraudulent scoop with anonymous sources of their own. Because, you know, the first example can reasonably be explained away as a mistake, right? A simple error. The latter is not so simple. It is unrealistic that so many sources would be wrong about the same thing. It's more likely that the different news outlets all spoke with the same anonymous individual or individuals, which leads 
to uncomfortable questions about whether the media were merely fed bad information or were intentionally manipulated. If you're the anonymous source for one story, and then you get a call from NBC News because you talk to the Washington Post and they're now looking to confirm, and you tell them, yes, I can corroborate that, do you tell them, yeah, I was the same source for the Washington Post? If that's the case, then NBC News would have to say you're the same source. Well, they should say that. Should They should ask it. So did Fuchs lie? Did NBC ask? Did NBC know? And then they lied. Did they? Did anybody? Maybe they all just didn't care, right? They just got their one anonymous source to say, yes, I can tell you that that, that's the truth. Their story is true. So you can run with that. And then everybody else runs with that. So what's the problem here? It's that one person under the cloak of anonymity gets to amplify via unwarranted credibility his message, whatever message he's trying to advance. Because in this case, like in the long term, this doesn't really matter a whole lot. I mean, honestly, like paraphrasing, misquoting, whatever. But the example is the key. This is how it is done. If one person, now think, let's say, instead of being some, you know, deputy assistant secretary in Georgia, you're, I don't know, a top intelligence official. Maybe you're in the White House. And now you can give an anonymous quote to somebody, say this is what happened. They then report it. And then when the other outlets call you to see, hey, I'm trying to confirm that whole Washington Post story. And then now... Yeah, you can confirm that. Oh, yeah, that's what happened. And now one person is able to put their message. Maybe it's true, but maybe it's not. And what if it's not? What if it's misinformation? That person is now using all of these media outlets to promote and amplify misinformation. Lies, right? He says it's more likely that these competing news outlets spoke with the same anonymous individual, which then leads to the uncomfortable questions about whether the media were merely fed bad information or were intentionally manipulated. Now, the ease of which one can do the former dictates the ease of which one can do the latter. In other words, if I know that I can, you know, oops, accidentally mislead somebody in the media then I also know that I can, not so oops, manipulate somebody in the media, right? If I know that these kinds of, quote, mistakes happen all the time when using anonymous sources, then, um, yeah, I can use that to my advantage if I want to promote something that's not necessarily true. Here's something that is true. Um, Rowena Patton, she will get your house sold fast and for more money. She and her all-star powerhouse team, they're fantastic. They outsell 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina. She is the only agent that uh, I even thought about to buy our house. And uh, if you're looking to buy, you should as well. If you're looking to sell, she will get your home sold quickly. This is really what she specializes in. She has uh, a whole marketing system built around selling homes. She used to be in marketing, by the way. She was doing drone videos and walkthrough videos long before COVID forced like all of these other realtors to start doing some of this stuff too. So she knows how to get your home sold fast. We have friends who used Rowena to sell their home and it happened within like a couple days. That's how fast she can get your home sold, which is great because you don't want to be paying two mortgages, 
right? If you got your new home all lined up, she's got buyers lined up ready to buy. Call Rowena Patton at 333-4483. Mountainhomehunt.com is the website. And uh, tell her you heard it here. And then when you after you call her, start packing. So there is a significant difference, says Beckett Adams, between saying you're going to find things that are going to be unbelievable, the dishonesty, which is what Trump said. There's a big difference, he says, between that and saying, find the fraud. He says one represents the president notifying an investigation's official of voter fraud in a specified county in Georgia. The other represents the president demanding an investigation's official get him the results he wants, regardless of the facts of the matter. And in fact, you can actually hear Trump when she says, you know, we're going to find the truth. And he's like, "Okay, good, good, because he believes the truth, right, is that there's all sorts of fraud and she's going to find it for him. Further, the Washington Post alleges that Trump pressured the official. The report also alleged that the president's part of the conversation meandered from flattery to frustration and back again. However, with the exception of flattery, a review of this audio does not appear to support these characterizations of the call. Yeah, he doesn't he doesn't seem to go from flattery to frustration and then back again. I didn't detect frustration. Um, The Washington Post got it wrong, plain and simple to me. um, The lesson here is pretty clear stop using and relying on anonymous sources you, you re- like i don't understand when this became the normal practice particularly at the national level for stories like this um because i mean it really amped up during trump but it was going on before then because i used, i've been talking about this for years you're supposed to, if you're going to have an anonymous source you try to get corroboration you have to from someone else now if you can get another anonymous source to corroborate independently of the first source then you have a lot more uh, your, you know, assurances that this is true because you've got two independent anonymous sources. But one anonymous source, like that's, you're basically giving them a license to lie. And if you get in trouble because they do lie to you and use your outlet as a platform to spread misinformation or disinformation, then you need to burn that source. That's how that's supposed to work. You don't use them again. Because they lied to you. How could you ever trust them again? So Washington Post, right, does this story, this scoop. And then all of a sudden, all these other outlets, they're like, we got the same scoop. We confirmed it, too. And he says they either share the same source or sources or a bunch of people managed to somehow be wrong about a very specific claim, which is highly unlikely. And I would submit there's a third option that Beckett Adams does not submit, which is that some of the media outlets lied. There's there's there isn't any proof that we know that, like, for example, I won't name one particularly, but any one of these outlets, they could have just made it up because how would you know? Right. How would you I'm not saying they made up the story. I'm saying they made up the confirmation because when you're. Uh, a reporter and this is your beat and you see oh look at that the washington post look at this scoop let's work to confirm it and you start trying to confirm it but you can't confirm it you don't have a source deep enough in the georgia state (laughs) secretary of state uh elections investigation unit you don't have any sources because you're a national correspondent uh so what do you do well you see the washington post scoop And then you see NBC beats you. And then you see ABC's corroborating it, too. And how many of those have to stack up before you finally say, you know what? Um, Yeah, yeah, I confirmed it, too. 
Who's going to check on you? Oh, I know. I'm sure the newsrooms have all sorts of controls in place for that sort of thing, right? No. Beckett Adams says the uncomfortable questions we're left with now. To whom did these news outlets speak? How did the source or sources get the details of the phone call so wrong? Are there additional examples of the media reporting bad information? (gasps) No. Provided by anonymous sources that we don't know about merely because there's no contradictory audio or video. Like just how many anonymously sourced stories are not true? 80 percent, 50 percent, 10 percent, what, 100 percent? If it can happen this easily, who is to say it doesn't happen often? Furthermore, how many of these bogus stories have enjoyed the backing or supposed independent corroboration when in fact newsrooms most likely talk to the very same person or people? Or some of them lied, right? I'm not, like, in the initial scoop, right, the initial reporting, that's usually based on somebody, some source, giving you some info, Okay. Now, and then you can't confirm it because it's just one anonymous source. But as you go down the line, when the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh news operation, they're like, uh, yeah, we totally confirmed it too. So, and then it gives this this added weight of credibility that is undeserved. Because if it's all given the benefit of the doubt, it's all one source, right? You're all using the same person. All you're like, you're, oh, that's... That's not confirmation of the veracity of the claim. Um, He says, how does one confirm something that is not true? It's a great question. So this story proves that, you know, there was information that was reported as true and news outlets then, quote, confirmed that these things were true. How does one confirm something that's not true? This is exactly what we warned about during the Trump years when the press dropped all hesitation and standards regarding the usage of anonymous sources. We warned it would lead to the publication of dubious or flat-out false allegations that are all but impossible to verify. We warned competing newsrooms would feel inclined anyway to, quote, confirm the anonymously made allegations with their own nameless sources. We warned if even one widely confirmed report based on anonymous sources turned out to be false, it would lead only to the further erosion of trust in the news industry. The whole thing is a mess, and it's entirely of the press's own creation. But hey, at least the journalists who got it wrong can say that they resisted Trump. By the way, remember the story about Trump at the graveside where he was like, I don't understand why they would, you know, why would they sacrifice their lives? Remember the suckers, losers comment? Yeah, there are people, Democrats still, this is part of the Blue Anon, you know, the Q, this is like, you know, have you heard of Blue Anon? It's people started, you know, the left has been mocking all of the Q Anon uh, conspiracy theorists and all that saying like, oh, my gosh, they're so crazy. And so people on the right have been pointing out, like, you guys on the left have your whole, you know, panoply of conspiracy theories, too. And the lefties are like, no, we don't. We only deal in facts. Like, well, actually not true. And so they started a hashtag called Blue Anon. (laughs) And it's it's a repository of all of these conspiracy theories that the left has been promoting for years. The difference is, is that the left... Uh, gets their message amplified and calcified uh, and uh, uh, given an air of credibility because it gets coverage in the media. 
like this or like the story of Trump calling all of the troops suckers and losers. Even though you had people that went on the record and said, I was there, he never said that. And it didn't matter. Not to the Blue and On folks, not to media. It's too good of a story because then they got it confirmed too. We have our sources confirmed that this happened as well. How do you confirm something that's not true? And again, I circle back to the North Carolina media. By and large, they do not engage in this kind of reporting to their credit. And I appreciate that. I thank them for that. Um, Molly Hemingway is a senior editor at The Federalist. She is a senior journalism fellow at Hillsdale College, Fox News contributor, and the author of a book called Justice on Trial, the Kavanaugh Confirmation and the Future of the Supreme Court. And uh, she went on to Twitter and gave an analysis as follows. Today's reveal that the Washington Post allowed a political opponent to anonymously invent Trump quotes is quite the story. But my favorite anonymous story remains anonymous. Remember that guy? That was when the New York Times tried to suggest a disgruntled low-level staffer was actually a Trump cabinet official or family member. Remember all the speculation about who's anonymous? Who is this person that wrote this big op-ed? It was actually a disgruntled low-level staffer, not somebody high up in the White House. He was like John Willoughby III at the Bureau of Engraving or some such. (laughs) I love that story so much, she says. Also, there were no repercussions for the New York Times other than the further loss of credibility. Washington Post and CNN also ran puff pieces and now hired that low-level dude. Good times. Also, when CNN used two anonymous sources to falsely accuse Donald Trump Jr. of having advanced knowledge of a Russia WikiLeaks thing, but it turned out... Their supposedly independent sources both managed to get the date on the email wrong. Also, that other outlets confirmed it. Yeah, that was fun, too. See, this is a pattern. This has been going on for years. Or she says, maybe my favorites are the 2.47 million Russia collusion hoax stories that all based were all based on completely sketchy anonymous sources, and they're all totally false, for which our media gave themselves awards and then pretended it was all no big deal once they were exposed as hacks. But the Atlantic's anonymously sourced uh, the cemetery, you know, where he's at the French cemetery, that Trump hates the soldier story, that's completely refuted by common sense, massive on-the-record rebuttals, government emails, historical weather reports, all of that was pretty bad too, and uh, quite consequential. But of course, no consequences for the media that told the story, that promoted that story. Now, if the story of your mattress is that it needs to be replaced, then you need to go to Mattress Man. And you are probably still kind of out of sorts, kind of draggy, discombobulated, let's say, from daylight saving time. Which, by the way, did you see that there's legislation now being uh, 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 proposed at both the state level and I think also at the national level to get rid of the daylight saving time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe we'll get into that tomorrow. Um uh, which I yeah I, I'd like to experiment with it. Apparently, they tried this back in 1974 as well, and then people complained like when you know when you set the clocks back, <laughs> people complained in the fall because <laughs> they're like it's so dark and early right now. Why are we doing this? Let's go. Let's get some daylight in the morning. I don't want my kid waiting at the bus stop in the dark. Anyway, right now though, that's what we deal with. But right now, and right now, you're struggling with the hour time change, right? If you have a really great mattress, right, and you're sleeping through the night and you're you're really comfortable and you're not waking up and tossing and turning, well, then uh, you're going to get the most out of your sleep. 
and that's important as daylight saving time tries to kill you. So go to Mattress Man, okay? They've got sales store-wide, and they've got great financing options available. They have local five-star delivery service. They ship nationwide. They have a 120-day comfort guarantee. They're the official and exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection. This is the mattress that is made by Restonic. They're out of Fayetteville. But uh, these are the mattresses that are at the hotel and at the inn at the Biltmore Estate. So you know they're good. Go to Mattress Man. Mattressmanstores.com is the website. Mattressmanstores.com. No credit needed. At most, $39 down uh, on one of their financing deals. They've got tons of different financing options available. You can buy now, sleep on your mattress right away, pay it off with your tax refund, for example. Um, No interest, same as cash, 0% APR. Up to 24 months, same as cash if you qualify. So go to Mattressman. Let the sleep consultants... First, help uh, help you pick the right mattress for you based on how you sleep, your sleeping position and such, uh, but also work out a deal so you can uh, get that mattress into your home tonight. Mattressmanstores.com. Experience the difference. It's at Mattressman. Buy local and sleep better. Unlike, let's say, the woke Chinese Communist Party, right? Indeed. So Chinese state media rarely deserves attention, says the Wall Street Journal's editorial board, but lately it's taken a notable and instructive turn. It is invoking the woke themes of American progressives as a propaganda weapon against the U.S. I actually encountered this the other day with a uh, person by the name of Chen Weihua. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, who tweeted out, quote, the U.S. bans any vaccine export before all Americans are inoculated. This is vaccine nationalism. Have you ever heard of such a thing? Vaccine nationalism. And it's totally against what the World Health Organization advocates. Who is Chen Weihua? Weihui. Weihua. I think that's how he pronounces it. Anyway, uh, who is this guy? He is the China Daily EU bureau chief. So the bureau chief for the European Union uh, for the China Daily publication. What is the China Daily publication? Glad you asked. It is owned by the publicity department of the Chinese Communist Party. (laughs) They have a publicity department. They do. And they own media outlets. And uh, yeah, like, uh, you know, CNN, for example. I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just. (laughs) So you've got the Chinese Communist Party, their uh, propaganda outfit, and they're all over Twitter. And they're saying things like this, that America's ban on exporting any vaccines until we all are dosed up here, that that is, quote, vaccine nationalism. I don't even really understand what that even means. Would that be like, I don't know, hoarding a whole bunch of PPE at the beginning of the pandemic, China, like you guys did? Would that be PPE nationalism? I don't have any problem with countries keeping the resource or material or produced goods, right, that they make or they have for themselves first. That's kind of the whole point. And then you engage in free trade which China doesn't understand this concept. Maybe that's really at the root here of the misunderstanding is that they don't understand that the trade occurs after you have surplus and surplus occurs when you have free market capitalism, because if you have communism, you don't get surpluses. (laughs) Maybe that's why there's this breakdown in 
the conversation. Anyway, no, it's propaganda. They are adopting the language of the left and they're communists. So it makes sense. Um, but here is the Wall Street Journal's example they pulled out. So, you know, the uh, the the Five Eyes Alliance, right? Canada, the UK, Australia and mm, who are the other two? Uh, I forget. It doesn't matter. But their tweet was, uh, or sorry, this editorial from the Global Times, which is another Communist Party uh, organ. They said that these three members of the Five Eyes Alliance have recently taken action to put pressure on China. They have formed a U.S.-centered racist and mafia-styled community. (laughs) So it's racist and mafia-styled. See, they're not really up to speed on... um, on full wokeism yet because if they were they would know that referring to something as a mafia styled anything like that would run you afoul of the identity politics because like now you're ascribing all sorts of uh, characteristics to italians and that's not fair to italians right um yeah because they're not all in the mafia okay they uh, so this editorial goes on to say they are becoming a racist axis aimed at stifling the development rights of 1.4 billion Chinese. So they're claiming that we're all racist against the Chinese, which is pretty amazing because the Chinese folks kind of racisty. They, they're kind of racisty themselves. They go on to say that uh, we have a civilization superiority complex. They call Tom Cotton, a U.S. senator, a neo-Nazi and extreme racist, uh, a white supremacy government here. China is not only defending its own interests, we are also defending the diversity of the modern world as we put the Muslim Uyghurs into concentration camps. I mean, this... This comes straight from the progressive critique of America as a country that we're systemically racist and oppressive, right? The editors of the Global Times may be crude in their language here, in their framing, but they've obviously been reading the New York Times, right? They've obviously... This is like this is what they were saying about Tom Cotton, the people that worked at the New York Times when they were like, I can't believe you would publish something that he wrote. Oh, my gosh, it's literal violence. It's literally dangerous to me. Like, this is what they were saying. And so China's like, oh, okay. well, this obviously makes them crumble. So let's just keep using this kind of language. This is what they value. Let's keep using it to our advantage. China's ruling communists are trying to exploit this growing lack of American self-belief as they bid for global supremacy. This is a great phrase. I had not encountered this before. It's why I pulled this um, is because I had never heard this expressed like this, this phrase, American self-belief. And that is really at the heart of all the critical race garbage. It's an attempt to undermine American self-belief. He, the, the editorial board at the uh, Wall Street Journal goes on to say, the truth is that the U.S. is among the most diverse and tolerant nations on the planet. So are the other Five Eyes nations. Political criticism is tolerated and is a core democratic strength. China's elites think that they're winning the global competition as they see an America racked by division and self-doubt. That's the opposite of the self-belief, right, is self-doubt. They are overestimating American weakness, but their invocation of woke ideology shows they realize its threat to American confidence and purposes. That's the point. I've been saying this from the beginning with all this critical race theory garbage. This is the whole point. 
It is iconoclasm. It is meant to tear down the fundamental belief in America. And when you do that, you can replace it with whatever it is that whoever's in power wants to replace it with. And the people who are doing the tearing down, they think they're going to get to be able to replace it with a utopian vision of Marxism, where there are no such thing as Trumpers. <laughs> right? Uh, which, by the way, historically speaking, when you do go Marxist, they do have a bit of a pattern, a bit of a history of eradicating their opponents, you know. I'm just saying, it, it does happen, okay? It does happen. Um, which brings me to a letter that the Chinese American Citizens Alliance of Greater New York uh, 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 put forth. They published this, this letter um, against critical race theory. I'm going to give you some of the highlights of that uh, in a second. First, let me give you some highlights of a great deal that you can get on a Husqvarna uh, stand-on mower. This is the Husqvarna 500 V500 series stand-on mowers. These things, obviously powerful, you know, great performance, great reliability. It's it's Husqvarna. You know the name. It's, it's legendary, right? Uh, but you can save up to $3,500 by combining two deals that General Equipment Rental knows about because they are an official licensed Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider, which means they know about these deals. They know how to use them for you and... That means you benefit to the tune of $3,500 by combining these two different deals. One's 25% off the MSRP for uh, the purchase of a nine-point fleet item. And then the second deal is a $1,000 instant rebate when you purchase the V548 or V554 stand-on mower. So if you've got a big piece of property and you want a stand-on mower or you're a landscaper, you're a contractor, you need a stand-on mower, thinking about replacing or upgrading, this is the time to do it. Get over to General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road, family-owned and operated for three generations, great people, and they're experts on this stuff because they are the official licensed dealer and service provider for Husqvarna. So you, they know all of the models. They know them inside and out. They work on, they service what they sell too. So you ever have a problem with any of these uh, pieces of equipment, you know who to take it to, right? And they, they're going to know how to fix it. Um, they also obviously have all sorts of equipment for rent, Okay, uh, so whether you need heavy construction equipment or power tools, you know, to get the tiling job done in the bathroom, go to General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com. That's the website, generalrents.com, and think outside your toolbox. So the Chinese American Citizens Alliance of Greater New York puts out a statement on critical race theory, and they call it a, quote, hateful, divisive, manipulative fraud. They say it appears in our workplaces under the cover of implicit bias and sensitivity training. It infiltrates our schools pretending to be culturally and ethnically responsive pedagogy or method of teaching with curricula such as the New York Times' 1619 Project and Seattle's Ethnomathematics. Hate groups with allies in politics, the press, and education all pass critical race theory off as an anti-racism and diversity, equity, and inclusion idea, but CRT is exactly the opposite. From its very roots, CRT is racist, repressive, discriminatory, and divisive. They say it's heavily influenced by such hate promoters as Marx, Lenin, Gramsci, Schmidt, Marcuse, Foucault and Freire, I don't even know who that one is, but with race struggle replacing class struggle. What have I been saying for, for, like the, for years now on this? Marxism requires there to be a struggle, right? You don't have revolution without struggle. 
So the, you need a struggle. And if you don't have a class struggle, which has always been the sticking point in America, because people, especially immigrants, by the way, especially immigrants from totalitarian countries like China, right? People from China, they're like, we know what this actually leads to. We've seen it. And you guys, you don't have class struggle here in America because when I got here, I had nothing but the shirt on my back and I made, you know, my way. I made a living. I made a better life. So I moved up in the society's, you know, class structure. You have all of this mobility available to you. It's so it's not divided into classes. And so the class struggle argument uh, doesn't really work so well. Because people can move from the lower to the upper and obviously back down again. So what else? What, what do we need then to supplant, to replace the class struggle? Well, how about race struggle? They then go on to list some of the ideological dogmas of the critical race theory movement, as well as uh, some examples of how it has uh, been used, how it has been weaponized. And they then say Chinese Americans are people of color and therefore start from the oppressed side of the critical race theory binary. But as we overcome discrimination and achieve upward mobility, we are now white by adjacency, they say. And in New York City, Black Lives Matter rioters with CRT signs assaulted our rally supporting merit-based education. We have come into CRT's crosshairs. Uh, education is the main area where CRT attacks us, specifically the denial of many Asians into uh, higher tier colleges because they're overrepresented. They say one way or another, critical race theory wants to get rid of too many Asians in good schools. Asians are overrepresented. Critical race theory is today's Chinese Exclusion Act. CRT is the real hate crime against Asians. <laughs> so that's happening. Meanwhile, there's going to be a press conference later this afternoon in North Carolina. The Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson going to be announcing the creation of a task force that is, quote, designed to give students, parents and school faculty a voice to speak out about cases of bias, inappropriate materials or indoctrination they see or experience in public schools. We'll give you details on that tomorrow. That is a wrap for this episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast at thepetecalendarshow.com or on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks for listening. Talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone. 